Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to And good Friday morning. Thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Yeah, Carmen is still out. She'll be back in on Monday. I'm Paul Perot, usually the producer. Ryan is doing that job for for us today and has for the last few days as I've been in the in the host chair. Even though technically I rarely sit down when I do this. I'm not in the chair. Hey, that's what some of the best hosts do. They're in the power yeah. stance the whole time. Ready to go. Power stance. <laughs> I like that. I like the power stance. Yes. Of course, I, I'll need all the power I can get. Um, as I was telling Ryan beforehand, I have um, my annual physical later today. And that means right now I'm in that period of fast. I, I can't have food for the next, well... At this point, nine hours, and, and you know that's when my appointment is, and no coffee from here on out. I had a little coffee earlier, but I'm only partially caffeinated, so um, you, I don't envy that. You I, don't. Well, if, if I start snoring, <laughs> you understand. And if you hear crumpling paper and Ryan throwing it at me, now you understand what's going on here. So, well, today's growing your faith verse, John thirteen thirty four and thirty five. So now I give you a new command. A new commandment, that is. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, when I came across that verse, many times you're kind of going, new command? Aren't we called to love? After all, we are told, you know, uh, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. But in the midst of John's narrative, here we have the Last Supper, um, Jesus humbles himself to wash his squabbling disciples' feet. They're, they're kind of figuring out, who's the greatest of us? And Jesus, who is the greatest, humbles himself, takes the lowly position of a servant washing their feet. He predicts his betrayal. And right before he's predicting Peter's denials, he says this. He says, love each other as I have loved you. That's the new commandment. Jesus is talking about a very special love here for each other as members of God's kingdom and family. The world's going to oppress us. We need to stand together. We need to prove we are disciples by loving each other. And I think there's a big amplifier here too. Not just love each other. As I have loved you. I find it interesting in John chapter 13, verse 1. John must have had something in mind here. Because he talked about just as just it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. <laughs> this was a hard time for Jesus. He knew it was coming. And yet, he didn't lash out. He loved. Jesus, God incarnate, loved his disciples with such a totalizing love he knew they really didn't get where, get his point yet. Still, he knew these are the ones the Father had given him. He lovingly shepherded them through the last few years and now to the very end caring for them. No task too small for the great master. 
He loved them sacrificially. So just as he loved, let us now go love one another. Speaking of love, again, your, your prayers and your actions needed for those in Florida who are recovering from Hurricane, uh, Hurricane Ian. After leaving a trail to destruction across Florida, by the way, uh, Hurricane Ian is expected to make landfall near, well, somewhere on the Carolina, South Carolina coast later today. Either as a tropical storm or maybe even a Category 1 hurricane. Meanwhile, area f- photos of the storm's path through Florida shows entire blocks of buildings leveled. Around 2.67 million homes were without power at one point. Bridges, houses, roads out, totally torn apart by the flooding. At least 10 people have been confirmed at this point who to have died, but they're uh, fearing a higher death toll there in Florida. What's being done? Well, rescue crews are searching and retrieving stranded Floridians. Uh, Joe Biden promising his administration would provide whatever local governments need. Power has been restored to about 700,000 people already, according to Florida Power and Light. But oh, again, still over 2 million homes and businesses without power. Now, coming up on Monday, I hope you join us here on Faith Radio for Mornings with Carmen. Carmen should be back, and she'll be talking with David Coggins. He's from the Florida Baptist Convention's Disaster Release Team, a relief team, that is. And we're going to find out what they're doing to help out their neighbors there and how we can partner with them coming up next though you know covid was covid was quite a challenge the pandemic when that happened churches having to be creative in how they do ministry lots of ministries had to get creative too including prison and jail ministries in um we'll be talking about that in a little while about a half hour i'm getting ahead of myself but right now we want to in about one minute we're going to look at We're going to look at some of the religious liberty issues, including an update. We've talked about Seattle Pacific University and some of their legal struggles. We're going to talk about that shortly with Steve West here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro filling in for Carmen. She'll be back on Monday right now. You hear that cheery Beach Boys music. Steve West, the Liberties Roundup editor at World News Group, is joining us right now. Steve, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. It's always a pleasure to be here, Paul. It is good. And a lot of interesting news items to talk about legal issues. That That's what we try and talk about, the importance of our religious liberties and just our uh, you know, human rights uh, to a degree as well. And some news items we want to focus on. One is, uh, well, we've talked about before, and it has to do with what's happening at Seattle Pacific University out in Washington and some of the legal disputes. This is an update. So first, uh, Steve, kind of give us a, a uh, recap of what we've talked about already with uh, with Seattle Pacific. Right, Paul. This this campus has been really a flashpoint for tension between LGBT activism and religious liberty. We know uh, in the past there's been a, um, a lawsuit by a, a, a professor there who uh, was sympathetic to the LGBT community. Uh, that was settled. Uh, the, the other thing that came about was an investigation by the um, Washington state officials of the employment practices of the university 
really over the fact that they don't allow employees or hire employees that engage in same-sex relationships. Um, so that that was going on. And then the, the uh, university itself filed a lawsuit uh, just a couple of months ago uh, against the state to try to um, to stop that investigation because it was a very, you know, this investigation that really got into a lot of the policies and a lot of the uh, acts cover a lot of discovery materials from the school that really delved deep into you know what the school was doing and it's really a school that's trying to assert its uh, biblical identity and try to uh, govern as any christian school would uh, protect their religious autonomy so that's what's that's what's been going on this latest dispute is um, another lawsuit this lawsuit brought by 16 students faculty and staff members at the university that's in seattle there against the school's board of trustees and essentially they're taking the uh, approach that the trustees have uh, breached their fiduciary duty to uh, to take care of the university essentially by um, by sticking to this policy of not hiring people that engage in same-sex relationships and really what they do is they allege that six rogue members of the board aging coup and the rest of the board uh, and there's a lot of just incendiary language in this complaint about uh, the university and about how basically if you read the complaint it's basically the university is is going under enrollments down the, the budget deficits are soaring all that kind of thing which we don't know is the case obviously uh, but that's what they assert they assert associations with extremist and supremacist organizations. They're talking about organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a religious liberty law firm and has done some significant and good work in the country. So that's what they mean in that in that sense. So it it's just um, I think that the, the lawsuit is probably not legally going to go much of anywhere. But what it does is uh, it's a it's a means of garnering uh, publicity uh, for this cause. It's a, it's a unique place. Uh, this university, Paul, started as a, uh, a training ground for missionaries uh, back in the late 1800s mm-hmm. and sort of morphed into a four-year uh, institution, uh, uh, college, a Christian college. And, of course, Seattle has changed around it as well. Ten um, percent of the Seattle community identifies as LGBTQ, uh, similar to San Francisco. But interestingly enough, uh, Twice that number, 20% uh, on the campus identify, of the students identify as LGBTQ. So that's a very interesting statistic. And that's why you get some of this, I think, some of this pressure, obviously, brought to bear. Yeah, I'm kind of going, you know, if they're going to argue the fiduciary duty, um, I, I know how, since... Faith Radio is owned by a uh, university, Christian University, University of Northwestern, St. Paul. We we are following, you know, what's happening trends nationally as far as the number of enrollees available. I mean, over the next few years, you're going to see a dip in potential students for enrollment. So, um, to see to see that they might have some financial trouble does not surprise me. A lot of universities are having that right now, especially um, nonprofit That's universities. Correct. So, I mean, to, to consider that a rogue issue, the rogue, uh, the rogue, as I saw that you had highlighted it, members of the board staging a coup. That's no, no, they're not. I'm sure they're handling the fiduciary issues here are trying to. It's just a reality of higher ed. But again, this is just what 16 students, faculty and staff members. How many students are and faculty are on that campus? 
That's a good question. I don't have that particular statistic. Unless, I think it's um, actually, I think it's 3,400 member student body mm -hmm. that, last year. Uh, so that's 22% were identified as LGBTQ. That's mm -hmm. self-identified according to the Seattle Times. So that, that's an interesting, and you're right, Paul. I mean, enrollment is down at some of these schools. That's, that's a problem that um, has nothing to do with any of this, in fact. Um, but um, it's just something that's true across the board for many uh, Christian institutions. Enrollment is down, so there are, there are those those um, those strains uh, that these uh, institutions face. And you know, some colleges have closed yeah. uh, because of financial issues as well. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what turns what actually how this actually goes. Because you know, you you can think about it this way: uh, if you're a fiduciary and you're the head you're a trustee of a Christian university, then part of your fiduciary duty is safeguard the Christian identity of that institution. So you can make the opposite argument that these trustees are actually doing exactly what they're supposed to do by uh, protecting the, um, the identity of the school. Mm, good point. Very good point. I want to point people, and we'll have both uh, the article that, that um, Steve West has written, as well as a, an editorial by Carl Truman, who we featured here on Mornings with Carmen before. His article is called An Unavoidable Collision, Different Visions of What It Means to Be Human Make Conflict Between Christian Institutions and the World Inevitable, where he comments on this issue with Seattle Pacific and more. So both of those will be in the show notes after the show at uh, MyFaithRadio.com, as well as on the app with the uh, show notes for Mornings with Carmen, the podcast today. When we come back, okay, there's a similar situation of sorts uh, regarding hiring, and this has to do with the Wyoming Women's Shelter, which we'll get to in just a moment. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. If everybody had an ocean across the USA, then everybody be like California. Well, again, good Friday morning. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. And Every couple of weeks, we like checking in with Steve West. He's the Liberty's Roundup editor at World News Group. You can find his articles at wng.org. And if you go to the Roundups, you can look for Liberties. And uh, Steve edits that page. He has other writers helping him out, like, uh, how do you pronounce Gary's last name? Paralou. Paralou. A good French name. Good French name, kind of like Perot. That's right. He's from Louisiana. Louisiana. Well, that explains it right there. Well, anyway, he has an article regarding a women's shelter fighting for faith-based hiring. Uh, give us an update on that. Yeah, this is actually it's a, it's a, a rescue mission there, uh, not a women's shelter just, oh, okay. just for women, but for for women and men and children. A Wyoming rescue mission, and you know, many of us are familiar, some of us are familiar at least, with rescue missions and the good work that they do uh, for the homeless and, and people who are hungry that are out there. And they've been doing this for years. I remember as a child myself going to the rescue mission with my parents and sitting there listening to preaching uh, in, the, in the rescue mission here in North Carolina where I live. 
But this particular rescue mission is in Casper, Wyoming. They've been working there for 44 years uh, doing doing things. And they they hire about, uh, they have about 60 employees. So they're a major employer. And they have about 800 volunteers that work there in the city. So uh, so it's quite a, it's, it's a city of, of 60,000 residents. It's the second largest city uh, in Wyoming. And they, you know, had provided, like last year, they provided over 60,000 free meals. Uh, they, they put people up overnight. So, you know, they do a lot of significant and good work. But they are a Christian mission. And when they want to hire people, uh, they hire people that identify and agree with their faith statement. Because they expect all of the employees, you know, um, to be able to disciple others, to be able to share the gospel with others. And so this issue came about. In, in 2020, because a woman claimed that the mission illegally denied her a thrift shop job. Now, on its face, that sounds like, well, okay, what is that, a cashier, uh, a sales clerk and in the thrift shop? But actually, they expect their clerks to do more than that. They, like I said, expect them to be able to uh, identify with their or agree with their faith statement and also be able to share the gospel with people uh, and disciple people. So, uh, these people are completing, that are there completing Christ-centered addiction recovery programs. And so they want the employees to be able to do this. This woman identified with no church, no religion. And uh, so they passed over her for the job. And that's when she sued the EEOC, Employment, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, got involved in Wyoming's uh, workforce agency. And they found that the mission discriminated against her for being a non-Christian. Well, yeah, they did because they require employees to identify and, and agree with their faith statement. And so the, um, their, the, the mission is, um, the mission is um, you know, having to deal with this particular issue uh, that's been brought to them. And this, it's just very similar in some ways to what Seattle Pacific's dealing with. And it's what uh, some other rescue missions have de dealt with, uh, some other religious organizations. Uh, the the uh, the rescue mission is arguing that even though federal law requires that you not discriminate against somebody for religious reason, there is a ministerial exception to that, and certainly covers ministers. It covers uh, teachers at a a Christian school, uh, but they also argue that it covers employees that um, are required by their job to be able to share the gospel. So. It'll be interesting to see how this particular uh, situation resolves. All right. We'll keep an eye on that one. In the minutes remaining, we have like about uh, five minutes here. Um, let's go to Florida because, and this is, you know, this is one of those areas, what we're going to talk about, there's going to be a lot of disagreement on, with, even within Christian circles. But it has to do with a Florida law that aim, that's aimed at social media censorship, and it's reaching the Supreme Court. Give us the information about that law, and I, again, this one is one of those that I can see both sides. I, I know a lot of Christians can, a lot of conservatives can as well. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, you know, there's some things that, uh, like abortion, that the Bible is very clear on. There are other things that uh, we can draw principles from the Bible and try to apply them, but we have to exercise a lot of wisdom and prudence as we figure out what to do. And so Christians can disagree, and so the Bible doesn't give us a clear answer, I would contend, on what we do about large companies like Twitter and Facebook and whether or not there should be governmental control over their content 
uh, or, or what should what should happen there. So what, what's happened here in this case, this is really a tale of two different laws, one in Florida, one in Texas, and two different federal courts of appeals that have ruled that have ruled differently on those laws. The Florida, both of the laws do kind of the same thing. Uh, they get involved in the area of content moderation by Twitter and Facebook. You know, Twitter and Facebook can go in and deplatform somebody, you know, take them off the platform. In other words, they can decide you know, who they want to let on and who they don't want to let on. Or they can flag content and say this is misinformation, that kind of thing. And so what this law does, it prohibits the platforms from banning or hiding the posts of candidates for office, uh, among other things. And it opens up the um, them to lawsuits when users or in the state determine that they policed content in a way that violated the law. So the Florida law was struck down by this federal court of appeals. The very similar Texas law was upheld by another court of appeal. The Florida law has been appealed to the Supreme Court. We don't know yet if it'll take that case. The Texas law most assuredly will be appealed to the Supreme Court as well. So it'll be interesting to see how how the Supreme Court resolves that issue. It's a challenging issue. Congress has not made a lot of progress in this area because of some of the ambivalence and difficulty yeah. the issue over the issue. And so states have sort of swept into that vacuum that's created. Three states have passed laws. You know, I think up to like a little over 20 states have actually got laws in the works. So we'll see what happens. So what's the ambiguity, though? I mean, I, I look at this and kind of go, when it comes to political discourse during an election, and from a broadcast standpoint, and I, I know broadcast is different, but I remember when I was working more in commercial radio, when it came to a, a political candidate buying time, the 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 people, the business running the radio station couldn't say no to that, where they could say no to a lot of other ads, when it came to a candidate doing campaign ads and political discourse of an election, that was uh, that they couldn't limit. That's right, you know. And uh, broadcast is a regulated entity. That's by the, the side. Uh, that's the other side, though, because broadcast is regulated. That's right. That's right. And so the argument about the uh, about Facebook and Twitter, these are so large. These companies are so large. They basically control the public square, the digital town square you might say and so therefore they should be treated like common carriers like uh, places of com public accommodation they should be subject to uh, they should be subject to some rules by the government others say no these are private businesses that this is their speech they should determine you know um, they should determine they should be able to determine what uh, what goes on uh, as would any like let's say there's a smaller business like 50 people would you like the government telling your business what it can do so that's the argument that these are different kinds of businesses. They're so large, sort of like a public utility uh, might be. You know, public utilities are regulated monopolies, basically. So that that's the argument there. And the other argument is that hey, they're not actually. Um, this is the argument that the Florida would make that this is not actually speech when they moderate content. They're not actually speaking, so they're not engaged in free speech. Uh, and so that's a question before the Supreme Court as well, because if they're not engaged in free speech, then the First Amendment doesn't apply uh, to them in that way. So that's a, that's a question that will be before the Supreme Court. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they argue this and work this through, because it is a nebulous topic, and there's so many yeah buts <laughs> to this whole that's thing. Right. Uh, nebulous but important, you know. 
That this is true. If you want to make sure, because this goes on to other areas of, you know, people getting on social media, using it to share the gospel, share pro-life messages, or stuff like that. Sure, sure, so. it really, it really does. Exactly yeah. right. All right. Well, Steve, thanks again for keeping us abreast on these things. Again, if you go to wng.org, Steve is the editor of the Liberties Roundup to keep on top of all these religious freedom and other. Uh, religious and other liberties issues as well as, well, there's other uh, great roundups and news there as well. So, Steve, thank you so much again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure. All right. I'm Paul Pro. Again, this is Faith Radio, and up next is Max Lucado. You know, rules can be a really, really good thing. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen should be back on Monday. Now, this coming Tuesday, in some Christian traditions, it's the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi. Now, among the many things, St. Francis is considered the patron saint of animals. And so there's a university down in Louisiana, Loyola University, and they plan, they haven't done this for a while, they're going to rebirth the idea of the blessing of the animals. You're more than welcome to bring your animal there. Well, okay, there are two rules, though. One rule, totally get this one. Um, well, actually, I get both of these rules, but the first rule is be prepared to clean up after your pet. That's fair. That's very fair. Rule number two, I think, is even more important. Do not bring venomous animals. I agree. Well, as I mentioned a little while ago... Uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of ministries scurrying to figure out, how do we do church? How do we do this? How do we do that? We had to be creative. Same is true about jail ministries. And we'll be talking in just a few moments with Jerry Leach. She is part of jail chaplains in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And I had an opportunity to talk to her a few weeks ago. And the story she was telling me, I just wanted to have us talk about that, to share that with you here on Mornings with Carmen. So me and Jerry talking in just a few moments here on Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Minus Carmen, I'm Paul. She'll be back in on Monday. As you just heard our station manager, uh, Carissa, say, you know, talking about us being listener-supported. We love that fact. As a matter of fact, if you are part of our Faith Radio Fall Fundraiser, what a great time we had a few weeks ago, especially on the Tuesday of the fundraiser, because we had a special event, a special thing where if you became a Team 40 member, we had a whole bunch of Bibles that were releasing into prison ministries. And before the event, we're kind of going, okay, what are some of the prison ministries we need to get in touch with? And a little light went on in my head. And I said, we got to talk to the folks up in the Fargo-Moorhead area where I used to work uh, and talk to the jail chaplains and talk to Jerry Leach. And I called her and said, hey, do you want Bibles? And after I explained what we had, she said, no. Now, you're probably, you're, your head's probably exploding. It's like, what? It's a jail ministry. They want Bibles. Okay, we'll explain that in just a few moments. But I, Jerry told me some amazing stories 
about what they've been doing lately, especially since the pandemic. And I said, we got to talk to Jerry about this. So, Jerry, Jerry Leach from uh, the prison chaplains in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Thank you for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Paul. It's great um, to be with you. And, uh, you know, I love talking about what God is doing through the jail chaplain ministry here. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Okay. And it, I, I remember watching you when I was working at Life 97.9, the music station up there, and the work you were doing with jail chaplains was amazing. And I, I've not been there since 2014 on a full-time basis. So it's like still seeing what you're doing. It, it's amazing. So first off, jail chaplains. Tell us about your ministry, what your mission is, and what you were doing before the pandemic. Okay, so Jail Chaplains is a local nonprofit to the Fargo-Moorhead area. Uh, We serve primarily in the Cass County Jail in Fargo, which is a 348-bed facility. Um, Jail Chaplains, the foundation for the ministry was laid about 40 years ago. And it was when our founder, Pastor Kurt Frankhauser, was invited to start being a volunteer chaplain with the sheriff's office, making death calls with patrol officers. And so that's where the foundation was that the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Don Rudnick and Pastor Kurt worked together for 28 years. Mm which God really used uh, their relationship to um, cement our two organizations together. You know, that trusting relationship between a, a government agency, really, the, as a, the sheriff's office, and jail chaplains um, as a small nonprofit. So actually, uh, the nonprofit for our organization was only formed in 2006. So as an organization, officially, it's about um, 16, 17 years old. The mission statement for jail chaplains is sharing the message of salvation as we serve and disciple through the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. So we often just shorten that up to say we take Jesus to jail. <laughs> you I know, love that. When, when men and women are in incarcerated, um, that's often a low point in their life, you know, kind of gets your attention when you're wearing orange and somebody's telling you what time you're going to get up, what time you're going to go to bed, what you're going to eat. You kind of figure out that what you've been doing isn't working real well. And oftentimes they've lost hope. I mean, the decisions that they've made have broken trust in many, if not all of their relationships. And I think they know they're not in a good place, but they have no idea how to change. And so the um, sheriff, current sheriff here in Cass County, North Dakota, Sheriff Jesse Johnner, is a firm supporter of faith-based programming. And even during the COVID, he allowed uh, the chaplain, who is compensated by um, our organization there's no cost for the chaplain services to cast county from taxpayers or the government right um, that's all provided by our organization right now jerry uh again, we're talking with jerry leach from uh, pri- uh jail chaplains in cast county fargo area and okay before covid 
you you had pretty good access with you and your your ministry team, the chaplain, getting in and out of the uh, out of the the jail there in Cass County to minister to people, right? Absolutely, we were um, offering about twenty hours of faith based programming, which was all done in groups, and we had uh, Chaplain Mike. And then we had about 20 volunteers that were going in and helping with those weekly programs. Mm-hmm. And then COVID. Yeah. <sighs> what? Yeah. So, tell, tell me what went through your mind. Jerry, tell me what, when you were told, I'm sorry, we can't have you come in uh, to the jail anymore. I mean, what was going through you and your team's minds at that point? I can still feel the pit in my stomach thinking, what are we going to do now? I mean, we don't have access, but there are people that are hurting and they need us. We can't just roll up our carpet and go home. And so we thought and prayed. And at that point, we didn't know if Chaplain Mike would be able to continue to go in because technically with um, the sheriff's office, he's a volunteer. Right. And um, but as I mentioned earlier, Sheriff Jesse Johnner, really believes that spiritual care is an essential service. And so he allowed Mike, Chaplain Mike, to continue to go into the jail. Um, He um, was treated as an employee at that time, um, like for for the protocol for wearing masks and being tested and all that kind of thing. Um, But even though Mike was allowed to go in, he could not do group programs either because they were... Um, keeping the inmates in the individual housing pods to reduce the risk of moving COVID around in that facility as well. It's almost like the prisoners were in solitary confinement. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. Um, well, we need to take a break here, but Jerry, I, I, and when we come back, I want you to share how your ministry pivoted, how you got creative, and how that creativity paid off Big. Again, we're talking to Jerry Leach. She's your executive director of, of the uh, jail chaplains, right? Correct. Right. Executive director of jail chaplains in Fargo. And when we continue, we're going to hear the rest of the story. We're going to hear God's story. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Taking Jesus to jail. (laughs) That's what Jerry said just a bit ago. Jerry Leach is with... The uh, jail chaplains in Cass County, Fargo area. I'm Paul Pro. This is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen will be back on Monday. And Jerry, uh, before the break, we were we were talking about what your ministry does, how it's been helping out prisoners or those incarcerated in the Cass County Jail, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, and 
your ministry almost came to an end, but you got creative. And that's where I want you to pick up. Okay. So <clears throat> we've been distributing the Life Recovery Bible in the jail for a number of years. Um, we're so grateful um, for donors and partners with this ministry that um, provide the funds so that we can do that. The Life Recovery Bible is um, it's incredible because it has footnotes in it and they all refer to recovery. So in a way it is, the, and we use the New Living Translation, in a way it is, um, well, like it says, it's the application in the footnotes um, that refer people to that. So when we could no longer do group programs in the jail during COVID, um, we thought, well, how can we equip the um, inmates to use those Bibles on a regular basis? And so what God prompted us to do was think about using Bible study sheets. Mm. Um, you know, that that we could encourage them to fill out. And so it wasn't really rocket science. Uh, Chaplain Mike wrote them. Uh, the first one was read the first seven chapters of John. So one each day. And um, if we listed a Bible verse, we listed the page number in the Life Recovery Bible. Jerry, if I can interject. So, Jerry, if I can interject. Uh, because yeah. as I mentioned at the start, when we were doing our fall fundraiser and we had these Bibles that we had from Open the Bible, no, uh, Truth for Life, and we couldn't give those to you because those didn't, these weren't the Life Recovery Bibles that you need and that's why you couldn't take those Bibles, even though we are getting them to other jail ministries, and so that's not a problem there. But the uniqueness of that Bible and the application of that Bible to these uh, to these people who are in the Cass County Jail, it, it made it easier for you to do the ministry with the study notes and the fact you could say, okay, now turn to this page of your Bible, because they all be Correct. the same. Correct. And that's yeah. important. It is very important, and um, I mean, it just, it gets them into it. It helps them feel successful. I mean, if they haven't ever opened a Bible, they don't know how to find the scripture references. And so then there were questions um, in there um, and uh, application questions, thought questions for having them um, to self-evaluate. And what totally astounded us and let us know it was a God thing. A third to a half of the inmates took the Bible study sheets each week, filled them out, wanted to give them back to Chaplain Mike <laughs> to prove they did their homework. Um, but you know, what was really happening, Paul, was when we make ourselves available to God, when we spend time in his word, the Holy Spirit works. I mean, it's nothing that we do. We're just making ourselves available. We're seeking God. And so what happened in that time was here we, we started ministering to individuals one-on-one -on -one more effectively because Chaplain Mike would walk around the housing pod and he was making himself available. He was handing out the Bible study sheets if they wanted them. They were seeing him more one-on-one. -on -one. So the personal inmate requests for personal visits went up by four times. Wow. What it had been before. So, I mean, they were connecting, 
they were studying the Bible, the scripture, they had questions. So they were asking Chaplain Mike and, you know, we were so astounded and Mike was coming back telling us what was happening. And it's like, okay, we got to have a way to capture this. And so we actually made a questionnaire if, for the inmates. Right. If you're using the Bible study sheets, is it changing you? And I, can I read a couple of responses? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so here's one of them. Um, the question was, if using the Bible study sheets, if so, how has this new habit changed how you think? I was looking at 15 to 20 years, and it was due to someone someone's use and their self-seeking behaviors and my inability to set a boundary. But I just stuck to my guns and never let the person in my, if I had stuck to my guns and never let the person in my life, my attorney said I would be okay. So because I let them in, I now deal with anger, rage, unforgiveness, regret, and many other emotions. But because of the time I'm spending in the word, I'm figuring out that this is the only thing. Studying God's word is the only thing that's shown me another way of thinking and something to believe in. Mm. Wow. And you have more stories like that because you sent me a few more of those sheets. And Yeah, so here's my friend Jacob that is actually, um, I just visited with him earlier this week. Um. Jacob's answer to that question, how are you changing? Wanting to be a better person and live with God. It also helps me know what Jesus did for me on the cross and how I can be more intimate with him. Tell him about my sins, burdens, and he gives me peace. I also know God will not leave me once I'm released so I can live for him. And he also will be there for me because I can see his purpose for me. Jacob uh, grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Here's an example. In the fifth grade, his mom left him to finish school in North Dakota, and she went to Illinois. For two months, a fifth grader hmm. was living alone in an apartment. She would send money for the rent and food. <sighs> you know, and his life was just, um, his mom was stuck in her own stuff. And so he didn't have the advantage of growing up in a home where he knew he was loved and cared for. And Jacob started using, uh, he started drinking with his mom at age 14. He's 33 years old now. Mm -hmm. Was booked into the cast. He has a number of DUIs on his record. He was booked into the Cass County Jail on August 27th. Uh, and another inmate invited him to do a Bible study sheet with him. And on September 13th, Jacob filled out a, a written request form and asked to visit with the chaplain because he, he I want to know more about this Jesus. And Chaplain Mike prayed with him. The sinner, Jacob prayed the sinner's prayer on September 14th. Mm. And on September 16th, we had a lunch at the jail where we invited the community in and Jacob came and told us how the jail chaplains being in the jail was impacting his life. And he told us that he asked Jesus into his heart on September 14th. 
on September 16th, two days later, he stands in front of us and tells us his life story and that it's going to change from here forward because he's got Jesus in his heart. Jerry, wow. Uh, Jerry Leach is joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. She's with jail chaplains in the Fargo-Moorhead area. I, I assume you've heard stories like this from other chaplains and jail ministries. I mean, you had to be creative during COVID, and the fruit uh, of this creativity has really paid off for these people who otherwise would have been cut off. Absolutely, and we continue. We hand out about 130 Bible study sheets every week. So we have inmate. I mean, the next question on the, the questionnaire was, how long are you spending in the Word? You know, mm-hmm. Jacob spends um, about two hours a day. Wow. Studying the Word, doing the Bible study sheet. Um, you know, I've heard up to three to four hours. Most of them are spending at least a half hour. Now, every inmate in the Cass County Jail is not doing this, but what, what we're doing is, we are available. We're reaching out for those that are ready to take the hand. For mm-hmm. those that are ready to do something different, God is there. And it's through the people, the awesome volunteers um, that serve and the staff that serve here with jail chaplains. I'm kind of so excited. I was just kind of excited how you, you mentioned the story, I think, was you said for Jacob, because a fellow um, prisoner was one sharing about it, and they were doing the study. I mean, it's like, it's multiplying that way as well, where the prisoners are basically, hey, I'm in the same boat as you, but I found out about Jesus. And so, again, the multiplying effect is just so wonderful. Absolutely. Can I tell you, is there time for me to tell you a story about a public defender? Uh, If you can do it in 30 seconds. Okay. So a public defender uh, has asked us to visit with some of his clients, during COVID, his clients were telling him, he had five or six clients that said they were leading Bible studies in the jail. And he's like, how the heck can that be? <laughs> well, what they were doing was self-assembling, doing the Bible study sheets together, mm-hmm. and they were mm-hmm. taking turns leading the conversation. Wow. Uh, Jerry, okay, people want to get a hold of you. What is the best website they can check for jail chaplains? Jailchaplains.com. Oh, that's too easy. That's too easy. It is. It is. (laughs) Jerry, thanks for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. It's been great catching up with you and just great hearing what God is doing in your ministry and, again, your creativity to really minister to people. Thank you so much, and thanks to your listeners. And um, whatever community you live in, there's a county jail close. Reach out and offer offer to share Jesus there. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro. Thanks again for listening to Faith Radio. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen, hour number two on the way. We're going to head to, well, I would say the movies, but we're going to talk entertainment with Adam Holt shortly here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.